welcome to the Principles of Success podcast. This is your host, Dr. Shana Henry. This podcast is for current or aspiring female school leaders and those who are supportive of their journeys. Each week, we will hear from passionate educational leaders. I will also share my reflections from over 15 years as a school leader. Together, we will talk about how to level up our schools and our leadership. I want to start today's episode with a question for you. Do you have a stress management plan? And if so, is it sustainable? As school leaders, I am confident in saying our work is like no other. A recent study from NASSP said 42% of principals are considering leaving the profession, and other studies show principals have more stress than other professions. Today's guest is Kayla Tucker, and she's a school psychologist that also helps women in the principalship manage stress. She's going to share her lead framework she uses with her clients to establish our own stress management plan. Kayla will also be one of our Power Pack speakers at our Leading with Impact conference happening next week. You can still register at principlesofsuccess.com forward slash online conference. I really hope to see you there. Now on to today's show. Welcome, Kayla, to the show. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. I am super excited to have you because we're taking a little change on the show today, talking about something different that we're going to get into in a moment. But to set the context, let's have you tell everybody about you. Okay. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Kayla Tucker. I am a school psychologist by trade, but also a stress management coach for women in K-12 through principalship. I am a native Marylander, recently just moved back to Maryland from South Carolina. Very happy to be back here. And I like to do a variety of things outside of my job as a school psych and my work in my business, um, including traveling and boxing. But I really love working in education and being able to support both the kids and the adults in buildings. I love that. I I caught that boxing part. So that's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, most importantly, this this is kind of selfish if people are listening. Did you all hear stress management coach? So (laughs) as much as this is for everybody listening, this is a little selfish on my part to to talk with you today because I can use you just about on a daily basis. So (laughs) let's talk about the why behind that choice for you. Why have you chosen to support principals? Yeah, so this... uh... The story is a little bit lengthy. I'll give you the shorter version. So um, long story short, I experienced burnout very early on in my career in education. I wasn't a school psychologist at the time, but I was working in education. I just had a bachelor's degree and was doing what I like to call school psychology light, basically. I was doing a lot of school psych work with school psychologists before I actually became one. And long story short, There was just a lot of pressure and a lot of demands that were placed on me. I was young and I was pretty good at what I did. And I think that the powers that be saw that pretty quickly. And along with that realization came more responsibility, which was nice initially. And then it kind of got to the point where that responsibility was really becoming Um, exhausting and overbearing. Like I had a whole bunch of different projects. One of the projects that I was placed on was 
over 60 miles from where I lived. So I was, you know, I had a crazy commute. I had a crazy workload. And it just seemed like no one around me was really, one, willing to listen, to help to change anything, and two, no one else really had the tools to be able to support Mm. me in terms of how do I stop myself from going into burnout? Because I could see that I was very clearly headed there. How do I recover? And things of that nature. So I basically used what I knew initially, like I said, at the time, having had just the bachelor's degree in psychology, and I also studied human development. That was my minor in undergrad. So I took everything that I had learned about supporting kids, particularly, and just kind of looked at it like, well, kids are human beings too. So if they need this kind of support, then why can't I also apply those same things to myself? So I really started digging back into what I knew about human development and our basic needs as humans. I focused on, you know, really digging into resilience a little bit more. I had learned about it in undergrad, but I pursued additional study or additional information to really get a firm grasp on that. And then I also looked at humanistic and behavioral psychology and kind of started to craft what I needed to do for myself to be able to recover from that burnout because I was ready to quit. I was ready to leave education. So I figured out what I needed to do for myself. And then long story short, having been, like I mentioned before, in a few different states um, and many different school buildings, I see that this is a huge issue for lots of educators. And I knew that I had a solution, something that had worked for me and something that I knew could work for other people. And the reason why I chose to support school principals in this way is because big picture when we think of impact and kind of what the trickle-down effect can look like. It makes the most sense to me to start at the top in a building Mm. because I think principals really do set the tone for the general school culture. So it's one thing for them to be able to have the support for themselves, just point blank period, and then beyond that. Having the school principal be the person who has this kind of support makes it easier for the assistant principals and the teachers and other staff to be able to kind of reap the benefits of that. I love that. And I I thank you for it because as listeners know on this show, I've been a principal for over 15 years. And I will say that what you're describing has not always been as accessible for school leaders. And Mm -hmm. people will hear me say too, our job is so unique. So if if I go for therapy or if I go for meditation or stress management, it's this kind of collective mm-hmm. thinking of um, strategies that will work for all. Mm-hmm. And because our job is so customized to the work we do, and especially the type of schools we run, yeah. a school leader that runs a completely different school from me may experience different stress than I experience now. Mm-hmm. And so I love that this is so customized. When I first started my leadership journey, I experienced a lot of health issues that I believe were stress related, mm-hmm. a lot of migraines. I blacked out. I um, oh, wow. fainted quite a bit and I had no idea what was going on. My doctor just kept saying it was stress related. And because work was really important to me, I could not equate work to stress. Mm -hmm. I just could not see the connection at all. So I really am listening to what you're saying and resonating with just that trajectory of why you got to where you were, just that buildup. And Mm -hmm. so thank you for this. And I'm so excited to talk to you today about 
this framework that you have to support leaders. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. It's called the LEAD framework. So tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah, so kind of perfect segue, kind of piggybacking on what I just said about really digging into what I knew um, and applying that to me. Basically, the process that I used to support myself ended up becoming the LEAD method. So it is the LEAD method is essentially a streamlined, more cleaned up version of what I did for myself. And each letter is, um, it's an acronym. So each letter has a specific part. So the L stands for lock and load. And that basically locking and loading is preparing for an imminent event. And the idea behind that is that stressors are imminent. They're bound to happen in life in general, not even just in our work and education. So instead of trying to focus on managing the stressors, we're focusing on the thing that we can control, which is our response to the stressor. So that's your really, um, really collecting that or establishing that toolkit to actually manage the stress from a biological perspective. The E portion is for evaluating and establishing your values and beliefs. So once we get that immediate toolkit kind of in place to stop the bleeding, so to speak, that's what I like to call it when people are in crisis. Those are the tools that you should have, you know, immediately accessible to be able to stop the bleeding. Once we get past there, then you start to think about your values and your beliefs. And you have to have a really clear vision kind of to your point about um, you saying that the work was so important to you. You have to know what your values and your beliefs are and how those things mm-hmm. translate into your work and then being able to refer back to those things in those moments of crisis or in those very stressful moments. So that's when you're really looking at those values and beliefs, establishing anything that needs to be you know, stated explicitly, and then also actively removing anything that's going to hinder you from getting to where you want to be, whether that be, I mean, some people call them limiting beliefs. Some people call them just thought patterns that are unhelpful. Um, Those are the things that we really focus on removing at that time. Then the A is all about analyzing or assembling social and psychological supports. Some people already have these things in place and some people don't, which is why for some, it's just an analysis of it. Like, okay, I, I have this kind of social support in the form of, you know, this colleague or this friend or this spouse, or I have this kind of psychological support in the form of mindfulness or some some form of self-care. But how is that actually like benefiting me? Are these things actually beneficial? And that's where the analysis comes in. For other people, they haven't even necessarily really thought of or used anything like that before, in which case it would be more of the assembly and the analysis. And then the last part, D, is all about designing your own personal policy. I am a huge advocate for us having basically contractual agreements with ourselves. All of us who work in education, we have contracts that we sign every single school year. And when we sign on that dotted line, we are agreeing to whatever is in the contract, agreeing to these deliverables, if you will. And I think that we should have the same sort of thing for ourselves individually to be able to follow through on the things that we say that we do to be able to, you know, to commit to ourselves in that same way. So the D is designing your personal policy. You're taking everything that you learned and that you kind of firmed up in the L, E, and A parts, and then popping that into a document basically that you can have and very easily refer to in the future. Um, And that'll help you from, you know, getting caught up in kind of the gray area and help you to follow through with the things that you said you wanted to do with ease. 
Yeah. So we're going to take each one of those and kind of walk through how this looks in real life. But as you're talking, I was really curious about this past year and Mm -hmm. pandemic life. And just we're seeing such a high number amount of educators in general leaving the profession. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced that on your end? Are you seeing more people coming to you and sharing frustrations purely about pandemic life? Or are there other things that people are saying are are stressing them these days? That's a great question. I think it is kind of an all of the above. Like you mentioned, I know for a fact, educators in general, but particularly school leaders, have been stressed for a very long time. The job has changed and continues yeah. to change year after year. But mm-hmm. all of you are still the same one person (laughs) with all of these new demands. So I think that in the past, educators in general were stressed, but I do think that the pandemic has pushed a lot of people to a breaking point Mm -hmm. where they're looking for, you know, it's now a necessity. Stress management and kind of really prioritizing well-being and health in general, I think a lot of educators used to see as a nice to have, and now more educators are seeing it as a necessity. Yes, thank you for that. So let's talk a little bit about each one of these letters in the lead framework. Yeah. So let's start with with L. Let's talk a little bit about more what what that is and maybe some things we can be asking ourselves as we dive into each one of these. Yeah, sure. So the L, like I mentioned, is really about locking and loading. That's more of the biological piece of stress. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand how the stress response cycle actually works, which is how we end up kind of focusing on managing the stressors as opposed to managing the stress. So a lot of people will mm. focus primarily or even exclusively on time management or increasing productivity or self-care or delegation when all of those things are really just helping you to manage those stressors. Stress is actually an internal occurrence. So when that stressor occurs, when you're having to rework face-to-face plans for learning or when you're having to deal with that difficult parent, a reaction occurs in your body. And that's when you get the spike of cortisol, amongst other things. So in order to effectively de-stress and kind of complete that response cycle, you also have to do something that speaks the language that your body understands, which is like usually what I say. But that really just means because stress is something that happens like chemically in the body, the response also has to cause a chemical reaction to let your body know that things are safe again and we can go ahead and drop those cortisol levels amongst other things. So I think one question that will be really helpful to ask yourself for this is, is your stress management strategy biologically based? Is your toolkit full of strategies that the body actually understands? Like manicures and pedicures are nice, but your body is not going to know that that means that everything is okay. And I think that's why one example that is like tried and true, everybody can speak to this, of a good stress management strategy is exercise. It's not just about the heart health or the other health benefits. It's about the fact that to counteract that high cortisol level, exercise releases serotonin and endorphins and tells your body that it's a safe place to be. So that's just one example of what I mean when I say, are your strategies biologically based and does your body actually understand? Oh, I love that because I'm thinking of all the strategies that I've tried. (laughs) 
<laughs> that are not biologically based. And I'm wondering, why am I still stressed? So <laughs> I appreciate that one for sure. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's talk about the E. Let's yes. talk about what that looks like. So when you are evaluating or establishing your values and beliefs and also trying to remove any limiting beliefs, I think one great question that I like to ask is what is your leadership philosophy? And that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. I tend not to give a specific, like, this is what the philosophy should look like. I just let people say what comes to mind because underlying however people respond to that is, I think, kind of baked into that are your values and beliefs. A lot of us, I often say that we are not chameleons. I think a lot of times people think that we can separate personal from professional. And in a lot of ways, that is um, necessary and important. But when it comes to how we work and how we lead, we are the same people in every scenario and in every arena or area. So I think that underlying your leadership philosophy is really your personal values and beliefs. You wouldn't be leading from values and beliefs that you don't actually hold at the core Mm -hmm. of who you are as a human being. So I think that's one question to ask. And then a second question would be kind of what are your values and can you operationalize them so that you and other people know when you're out of alignment? So Like I said earlier, I'm a school psychologist by trade, and we're trained to do a lot of different things, one of which is behavior modification. So when you are looking to support a student who might have some uh, behavior difficulties, it's not good enough for the teacher to come to you and say, I want her to stop misbehaving. Okay, well, what does misbehaving look like? Does that mean you want her to sit in her seat more? Does it mean you want her to talk out of turn less? There are ways that you can operationalize or kind of objectively define what that is so that everybody can clearly know, okay, like this is, she calls it misbehaving, but this is what we're actually looking at. And I think that we should all be able to do the same for our values. Like I said, one for you to It's easier for you to know when you're in or out of alignment, when you have that kind of objective definition. And it's also helpful kind of thinking from a leadership perspective when you want to work with other people or support other people and you want them to understand where you're coming from. That's also helpful then, too. So. Like I said, that was a long explanation where the question was, what are your values and can you operationalize them so that you and others know when you are out of alignment? Yeah, that was great. Can you give us an example of a value and how you might operationalize it? Yeah. So one of mine is curiosity. So, and I know that that might seem a little, (laughs) a little off or a little irrelevant, but for me, curiosity really is what sparks a lot of the things that I do. Like even going back to the burnout story that I shared before, it was my curiosity that really sparked like, okay, nobody else is really doing this. But that doesn't mean that I can't do it. And like, why are people operating in this sort of sacrifice syndrome, martyr mentality world? And like, why would I subscribe to that? Like, why can't I do things differently? So for me, I mean, just for myself, curiosity is one of my values, but I also like to cultivate it in other people. And one of the ways that I would operationalize that is by just thinking about like probably asking people or positioning it as a question as opposed to this is what curiosity looks like. Mm. It is more of do you question 
the status quo? Do you question why? Not necessarily to be a contrarian, but just wanting to understand why we do the things that we do. And if it's not a valid reason or if it's not helpful, then why can't we do things differently or why can't we look into doing things differently? So I think the way that I would operationally define curiosity is always asking the question why. I will always ask why and what if. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Let's talk about the A. Yes. So that is analyzing and assembling those social and psychological supports. And like I said earlier, that could include self-care, mindfulness, energy management, daily visions. There are lots of different things that could kind of fall within that category, depending on um, what the individual needs. But one question I think would be very helpful for this one is, are you focusing on managing your time or managing your energy? And I think that a lot of people do get caught up in time management. And to a certain extent, I'm not saying that time management isn't helpful. It definitely has its place, but time is not a renewable source, whereas energy is a renewable source. Yeah. So I think that one part of really looking at your, not so much the social, but more of the psychological support is where do I need to be placing my energy? How can I better manage my energy or what can I be doing if I am, you know, 12 o'clock comes around and I'm low and I see that as a pattern, what can I start doing at 12 o'clock every day to kind of boost that energy? So because that is something that we can renew. So that would be one question. And then kind of a, a subset of that is if you're more focused on managing time, how might you be able to kind of shift to managing energy? And I, yeah. Pretty much everything that I just said before that goes with that. And then my second question would be, who are your 4 a.m. friends and why? And this is more of the social piece of things, thinking about who you have in your corner as social support. Who are the people who you know, even if you don't actually feel like you have to call them at 4 a.m., you don't have a pressing issue right now. Who are your 4 a.m. friends and why? I love that. I'm I'm thinking right now about my energy versus time <laughs> and how I can manage that. So you're giving me a lot to think about. Okay. And then the D. Tell us about D. Yes. Yeah, so for this one, this is more of a kind of a big picture question because like I said, by the time you get to this point, it's really about putting together everything that you have already worked through prior. But my question for this, or I guess two questions would be, how do you want to show up for yourself? And how committed are you to showing up for yourself? So the how do you want to show up? That's more of, you know, the consistency piece of things. What are you going to be doing? What are you going to say yes to? What are you going to say no to? And then how committed are you? That's where it really comes to now you have all these all of these things in place. And it's time for the rubber to really meet the road. That might involve you actually having to tell someone else in your building that you're not, you know, this thing that you used to do, you're not going to do anymore. How committed are you to that? Are you okay with kind of having to push or go against the grain or give someone some pushback to be able to do the things that you need to do to take care of yourself? Like how committed are you to that process? And I think that's something that we should all think about in terms of the personal policy. It's great to have this in a nice document and, you know, (laughs) have everything in one place for you to be able to refer to, but how committed are you to actually doing what is necessary to make that useful? 
Yeah. And because D is designing that personal policy, do you see people sometimes just going straight to D? Because I feel like that's what I do a lot is I just say, well, I'm going to start doing this, Mm -hmm. but I haven't really talked about the L, the E, and the A. Mm -hmm. I would say yes. I mean, even speaking from personal experience, I think initially part of the reason why I, I mean, in addition to just the situation, part of the reason why I was very clearly on a road to burnout was because I was just trying to skip to like, we're just going to push through. And like, I already know this is what I need to do. This is what I, either what I have always done or what I think makes sense without really looking at some of the limiting beliefs that I had that were going to keep me from being able to follow up or commit without looking at you know, what actual stress management strategies work best for me, not just looking at what I had read on blogs or what I had seen other people doing, thinking about what I actually needed as an individual, all of those things. Yeah, I do think that people in general, even if they don't have necessarily the terminology that I'm using, like a personal policy, this general idea that this is the plan and this is what I'm going to do. I do think a lot of people jump to that and they don't think about all of the other pieces that kind of have to be in alignment for that to work really well. Right. So for our listeners who may have just gone through this acronym and started to answer questions for themselves, Mm -hmm. how would they sustain this plan? That's a great question. So I think part of that is like, kind of like I mentioned before, how committed are you to showing up for yourself and how are you going to show up for yourself? So that's asking, part of it is asking those questions or answering those questions now. And then the other part of it is having some sort of calendar to make that a a recurrence. So it's great to do it now to get you started, but maybe three months from now, you need to also kind of go back And revisit those questions, revisit that plan to make sure that it is sustainable. Sometimes things change. We change as human beings. Um, So sometimes certain parts of your plan may need to change to address that. For example, maybe you committed to 30 minutes of exercise, you know, three or four times a week and you were single then and now you're a married mom of two Mm -hmm. and you don't have 30 minutes three or four times a week. Maybe that needs to change to, you know, the Jacobson technique where you commit to every day doing this progressive muscle relaxation that takes you five minutes instead. So I think a huge part of being able to sustain the plan is having some sort of recurring review and it's up to you how you want to establish that timeline if it needs to be on a monthly basis on a quarterly basis, whatever it may be, but having some sort of plan in place to be able to go back and review what you said you were going to do and kind of tweak things as as needed. Mm-hmm. You've provided a lot of information today and a lot of opportunities for personal reflection. So I'm curious, what message do you want school leaders to take away from this conversation? I think the message I would want you to take away is prioritizing your health and well-being is important and that you shouldn't let anyone ever convince you that there is no professional value in that. I think we, not even, obviously I'm not a school leader, but I think educators in general, because of just in general, how we're socialized and also the work that we do and how we're developed even professionally, there's this idea that 
the only kind of development that is quote unquote worth it or helpful is that more formal, traditional, professional development. And I think that there is a lot of professional value in personal development as well and just taking care of yourself to be well enough to do that work. So my takeaway would be prioritizing your well-being is important and don't let anyone tell you that there is no professional value in that. Yeah. Great reminder, because that is something I need to remind myself every single day. Mm -hmm. It is the easiest thing to give up for sure as we go through this work. And so thank you for that that, um, (laughs) shout out reminder to everybody. So Kayla, as we wrap up today, we always do some rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to know a little bit more about you as we close out today. So I'm going to go really fast. And first thing that that comes to your mind, what is your favorite leadership book? That would be Resonant Leadership by Richard Boyatzis. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Richard Boyatzis and Annie McKee. Favorite app? Definitely Smiling Mind. It's a meditation app that I think is fantastic for educators. It's free and they even have, um, you know, you can have classroom. They have specific, um, oh my gosh, what is it called? like curriculum for Mm. different grade levels. So if you're a teacher even, or, you know, a principal who wants to be able to give this to your staff, I think that would be a great, a great resource. I'm going to check that one out. I love it. Best Amazon find for work. I don't buy a lot of things on Amazon for work. I do buy a lot of books. I do buy a lot of books though, (laughs) I will say. I have a (laughs) bad addiction to Amazon. Me too. It's horrible. Favorite (laughs) song to put you in a good mood. Right now, definitely Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. Oh, so good. I love that (laughs) song. Okay. And one tip you would tell your first year school psychologist self? Mm. One tip I would tell my first year school psych self is not to be afraid to go against the grain. Mm. That would be it for me. I think that just in general, being new or being green, we often tend to want to kind of fall in line because we don't want to be seen as fill in the blank of whatever you think is negative. So we go with what we think we should be doing as opposed to thinking about what we may actually need and what might be the best way that we like to work or the best way that we like to do things. So I would just say, don't be afraid to go against the green. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of first-year principals this year. So what what tip would you give to first-year principals? Yeah. I'm so happy that you said that because, yes, I have seen a lot of first-year principals and assistant principals, actually, who just mm-hmm. just started. I think one tip that I would give would be to kind of like what I said before, like, don't don't forget about sustaining yourself. I think that professional impact is very important and you can have all of the skills in the world to be able to do the job well. I think there are lots of school leaders, principals, APs, whatever, who have fantastic skill sets. But if you are not well enough to actually use that skill set and to show up the way that you want to show up to use those things or to do those things, then it's all kind of pointless. So don't forget to, to sustain yourself, to take care of yourself. That is great advice. And I wish someone had been there to tell me (laughs) going into the job about exactly what you just said, because we get into our habits and we could have established some really good things for ourselves if we knew that coming out the gate. So thank you for that. Kayla, if listeners want to connect with you, how should they do so? 
I am at I am Kayla Elise. Elise is spelled E-L-E-A-S-E. Kayla is spelled the traditional way on pretty much every social media platform. I'm most active on Instagram and on LinkedIn. So my handle on Instagram and other platforms is I am Kayla Elise. And then on LinkedIn, I think it's linkedin.com slash in slash I am Kayla Elise. (laughs) You should be able to find me anywhere pretty much. Fantastic. Kayla, thank you so much for this time today and all your knowledge that you shared. And I'm hoping that going into this new school year, people will really take a moment to stop and reflect and think about how they can prioritize themselves. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. A big thank you to Kayla for sharing her wisdom and offering us a tool to manage our stress. Now, if you like this episode, would you please do me a favor and head over to iTunes and leave a review? Your supportive comments not only help us be seen by more people, but honestly, they truly warm my heart. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for listening today. Until next time, this is Dr. Shana Henry with the Principles of Success podcast. Podcast.